Hello, welcome, and thank you for tuning in to episode 17 of the Clean Simple Free podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Alexia Fox. This is part two of the sustainable living episode. It can be listened to alone, but for even more tips on reducing your impact on the planet, you can always listen to part one by visiting episode 15. This episode discusses common eco-friendly buzzwords and breaks down what they actually mean. Plus, we'll kick it off with how to create your own compost. Thanks for listening and enjoy. This is part two of a two-part episode. In part one, we largely focused on the three pillars of recycling, reduce, reuse, and recycle. In this episode, I'd like to delve a little further into the more complex ways we can reduce our impact on the earth. Just to recap what we discussed in part one, living sustainably is being mindful of the earth and the impact we make on it, and changing our habits through environmentally conscious practices. We left off before getting a chance to discuss composting, So let's start there. Making a compost heap is a great way to reduce the amount of waste that you toss into a landfill, and it essentially turns garbage into usable soil. There is quite a bit of a learning curve to it, at least in my opinion, but if your space allows for it, and if your time allows for it, it is so rewarding to watch your food scraps and other household waste transform into rich, usable soil that your plants or garden will love. There are all different types of compost containers, from small counter space friendly sizes to large bins with a handle and holes in the sides so it can aerate properly in your yard. These are pretty large, so I recommend doing this if you have a yard, or at the very least if you have a balcony or patio in your home with lots of plants so that you can actually put the composted soil to good use. And just like with recycling, there are facilities where you can drop off your compost materials if you really want to reduce your carbon footprint. To start, you will need a proper container. This can be as simple as a storage bin that you'd typically use for household organization, or as complex as the pre-ventilated and pricier bins that I mentioned earlier. I started my compost heap just by using a storage bin and drilling holes in the side. Oxygen is extremely important to feed the bacteria inside and to help the compost break down quicker. That's why you drill the holes or purchase one that has proper ventilation. A lot of websites recommend purchasing worms because they thrive off the nutrients from your trash and help turn it into soil quicker. I have never tried this method. From what I've read, worms can be kind of particular on what they will eat, so that's a whole other learning curve but I can definitely see the merit because sometimes it does feel like, oh my gosh, this isn't changing. But I would definitely check into that if you are looking at your soil and wondering why it's not breaking down faster. You'll also have to maintain your compost with a proper balance of water and heat. If you don't live in a really cold climate um, and you're using it outside in the spring or summer, the sunny days should work just fine. Just be sure not to overwater. You'll also need to turn your soil with a trowel or by shaking it up once a week just to make sure that everything is balanced and decomposes at the same rate. 
If you leave the top layer untouched, it will not decompose as quickly as the lower layers, and then you can have a problem with your compost. When you're ready to start your compost pile, you'll need to add dirt, or better yet, a compost starter, which can be bought at any hardware or garden supply store. Again, using a compost starter versus just plain dirt just helps to speed up the process and make everything break down a little more consistently. Next, you'll need to have an equal mix of green and brown materials. Now, what this means is best explained by AzureStandard.com. Quote, Green matter, such as grass or clover clippings, and any legume debris, is nitrogen-rich. Brown matter, such as dry fallen leaves and chopped straw or hay, is carbon-rich. Mix these in a ratio of 2 to 1, green to brown, for a well-balanced compost pile. End quote. Try to resist the urge to throw absolutely everything into your compost pile. For example, you'll want to avoid anything oily, such as cooking oils, dairy products, and meat in order to avoid offensive odors or attracting rodents, raccoons, things like that. They just don't break down as well and they don't make the soil thrive. So green matter and brown matter, as explained by that quote, can be really hard to get the hang of. I had to hang up a cheat sheet for a really long time until it kind of became second nature, just like with recycling. Some examples of green matter includes coffee grounds, eggshells, make sure that they're crushed, tea leaves, and even the tea bag, stale chips, stale bread, and fruit and veggie scraps. Those are all considered green matter. And brown matter includes shredded cardboard, shredded paper bags, newspapers, used napkins, leaves, and even wine corks or junk mail. Again, with the large pieces, you don't want to stick a big piece or big stack of junk mail into your compost pile. You want to shred it and break it up into small pieces. You can check online for a more extensive list of what is compostable. Composting can feel highly complicated at first, and it really can be, but once you've gotten past the initial learning curve, it's so satisfying to see your household and food waste turn into this rich soil that will nourish your plants, trees, or garden. For resources, azurestandard.com is an excellent website, and even Glad, the brand that makes trash bags and trash can liners, they have some really wonderful tips as well on glad.com. I'll go ahead and post links to both of those sites in the show notes. In a moment, let's discuss the overwhelming amount of buzzwords that exist when it comes to sustainable shopping. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the podcast. There's a lot of different terminology thrown around when it comes to shopping mindfully, and it can be hard to make heads or tails of it. There's terms like eco-friendly, fair trade, cruelty-free, sustainable, ethical, and many other buzzwords that we take at face value and translate loosely as good. It's sort of like going to the grocery store and picking up a box that says no artificial colors, low sodium, non-GMO, or organic. It sort of blends into the background, but these are products that we somehow view as better. So I'd like to spend the next few minutes of this episode breaking down what these terms actually mean. Let's begin with the term fair trade. 
Basically, a fair trade product means that laborers are compensated fairly for their work. This especially applies to exporting items from developing countries. The World Fair Trade Organization, or WFTO, spans across 76 different countries. Their website, wfto.org, explains what fair trade means to them in the following statement. Quote, Fair trade is a trading partnership based on dialogue, transparency, and respect that seeks greater equity in international trade. It contributes to sustainable development by offering better trading conditions to and securing the rights of marginalized producers and workers. Fair trade organizations have a clear commitment to fair trade as the principal core of their mission. They, backed by consumers, are engaged actively in supporting producers, awareness raising, and in campaigning for changes in the rules and practice of conventional international trade. Fair trade is more than just trading. It is a vision of business and trade that put people and planet before profit. It fights poverty, climate change, gender inequality, and injustice. End quote. So, purchasing fair trade food and products means that you're supporting humane working conditions and paying a fair price, which benefits the workers and allows them to receive living wages. Let's move on to cruelty-free. Cruelty-free products are products that avoid animal testing. Cruelty-freeinternational.org is an amazing resource to search your favorite brands of cosmetics, pet supplies, and household cleaners to ensure that the products you purchase haven't been tested on animals. Animal testing can be very harmful and painful, and as an animal lover, I personally try to only purchase cruelty-free products, but no one's perfect, and sometimes I do end up with something in my shopping bag or makeup bag that is not cruelty-free. That's why I love this website as a resource. The easiest way to tell at a glance is by looking for the Leaping Bunny logo on the back of your product packaging. This is sort of the seal of approval to know that the product you're buying is a certified cruelty-free product. The term eco-friendly has an Oxford dictionary definition of, quote, not harmful to the environment. So basically, all of these conscious consumerism rules and green living practices can be coined under the umbrella term eco-friendly or earth-friendly. Sustainable is a term that we've discussed at great length in episode 15 and recapped briefly at the start of this episode. Basically, it's being more mindful of our impact on the earth as a whole. Ethical is especially used as a fashion term when it comes to the clothing industry, but this term and concept can be a little bit tricky. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word ethical as, quote, relating to moral principles or the branch of knowledge dealing with these, morally good or correct, avoiding activities or organizations that do harm to people or the environment, end quote. Everyone's idea of what's ethical is going to be different. Shopping ethically typically brings to mind thoughts of avoiding sweatshops and child labor, And while this is accurate, since ethics are a moral principle, as per the dictionary definition, 
If you believe that, say, wearing animal fur or leather goes against your ethics, then for you, purchasing a fur jacket or leather wallet may clash with your personal ethics and would therefore be unethical shopping. TheGreenHubOnline.com has an excellent article on how the terms ethical and sustainable are used interchangeably incorrectly. Again, I'll link all of my resources in the show notes so that you can read for yourself if you like, and I would highly recommend reading this article because it's full of information and that site has a lot of amazing articles. But to read an excerpt from the article, quote, Fashion is complex, and when you throw ethics and sustainability into the mix, it's even more difficult to wade through, even for those of us deep in the movement. There's no right or wrong answer, and although I wish I could tell you exactly what to buy, it's all up to you to decide where your values lay. The good news is, the future of fashion is becoming more positive every day as the terms ethical fashion and sustainable fashion increase in popularity. And we begin to understand what they mean to us, the consumers. In the meantime, although you may not be able to control what goes on behind the scenes of a fashion company, you can continue to hunt down the truth behind who made your clothes, what they're made with, and how their production affects people and the planet, end quote. Don't let these terms and information overwhelm you. That is not the point of this episode. Instead, let them inspire you. You don't have to do anything drastic like toss your whole cosmetic collection or donate everything in your closet, but if you'd like to live a little more eco-friendly, a little more mindfully, you can make small changes as you go. For example, if you run out of mascara, try a new cruelty-free brand. Instead of purchasing from fast fashion retailers, maybe check into sustainable or slow fashion brands when it comes time to purchase a new pair of jeans. Small steps make all the difference, and before you know it, you've taken multiple steps towards living a better life for yourself, the people, the animals, and the planet. Whether you're setting out to start a full-blown compost garden, just grabbing your reusable bags before going grocery shopping, or maybe shopping a little more ethically, hopefully you've enjoyed the tips in this two-part episode on minimizing your impact on the environment. That's going to wrap up this week's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, the biggest thing you can do to help keep it going is to give a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It really does help a lot. Tune in next week where we go back to basics for some clutter solutions. And remember, clean spaces make for a more simple way of life. And when your life is simplified, your mind will feel free.